0: Welcome into another episode of Between the Horns. I'm JB Long, and if you're watching live on our social and digital channels, good morning. If you're catching the podcast version, hope you're having a great day wherever you might be, and thank you for spending part of it with us. I'm joined by team reporter Serena Morales, as always. Maurice Jones-Drew is here, and NFL Networks Andrew Siciliano, who uh, apparently doesn't know how to take a screenshot with his computer. He had the cell phone out trying to get. Some material for his social media, I guess. Put it on the Instagram story. There, there you go. Okay. All right. We'll send that all around. Uh, Hard to believe, everyone, that it's week six. Here we are. The Rams are four and one. They're heading to the Bay Area to begin uh, division play. A Sunday night showdown against the two and three Niners. Before we go there, why don't we get some final thought on the win that was thirty to ten in Washington? And Andrew, we haven't gotten your take on uh, the Rams' fourth victory of the season. So we'll start with you.
1: I uh, love what I saw from Aaron Donald and Troy Reader, and love what I saw from and a dominant defense. Uh, obviously, the offense kind of hit a roadblock middle of the game, but that's, you guys know that's when the rain started coming down as well. I like the way Cam Akers helped close the game out with that long 46-yard run. You go back to his first run of the first quarter, and then that 46-yarder, I think that's the Cam Akers they know, and that's the guy they drafted and, and want to see. A little concerned by the Fuller injury late. Um, I mean, that, that's just a point in the game where that Redskins offense isn't doing anything horizontally. They're going side to side, and he just teed off on a guy much like Jalen Ramsey did on Golden Tate at the end of that game and concerned about that. Um, the oboe injury as well. They've been able, able to survive um, Kaiser, you know, with these little injuries here or there, and hopefully they can still do that and survive moving forward this is a little bit more of a test but I don't know how much of a test I know we'll get into that I I don't know how much of a test this is this week uh
2: for me you know I I felt like the offense even though they did lull uh in the middle of the game they were very explosive against a very good Washington football team defense right and so that is that is like okay you know especially after coming off the Giants victory with like a lackluster performance to go out there and put up points and run the ball the way they did and have explosive runs and passes against a defense that was pretty stingy uh, was good. Defensively, again, one of the top in the league. And I think – I know a lot of people are concerned with uh, Ronco's injury, but you have Terrell Lewis who came out and did a good job. Uh, you're going to lean more on him anyways in, in those situations. He's going to have more pass rush situations. And I think the beauty of having depth and drafting well uh, continues to be the riches for the Rams because even though uh, Fuller's down, Taylor Rapp steps in, right? And we know how, how he's been in that communication. So uh, having a lot of uh, versatile versatile players defensively, Jalen being able to play safety, matchup on any guys, playing the nickel outside is going to allow this defense to continue to evolve. So, yes, it will be a different challenge this week against the Niners because it is Niners week, as DeMarco likes to say. But um, I think this team is is – they're, like, clicking, and they're getting better, and they're improving each week. And that's the scary part about this Rams. are not where they they want to be right now.
3: I'm just excited that even guys – you didn't even mention them, but Darius Williams is, like, a name on this defense that it's like, oh, man, forget the Jalen Ramsey's in there and Aaron Donalds, who, by the way, had four sacks in a game. I mean, let's bring up a guy who's been quietly, you know, making a splash and kind of changing the momentum in the – past five games this season with a guy like Darius Williams so it's been great to see that the defense is kind of keeping us moving forward and then again you guys talked about it but like the offense had a great you know start again golf is looking really strong only sacked once this O-line seems to be working well right JP?
0: They certainly are and look from a team perspective they make it look easy to go on the road and get wins and since 2017 they've done that better than any organization in the National Football League but to have a stretch of three early kickoffs on the East Coast in four weeks and to come out of this four and one as you start NFC West play uh, is not something to be taken lightly. I don't care whether you're playing the NFC East or whether you're playing the American East Conference. Like that's that's a job well done. Uh, before we jump into this week's matchup, hey, we do want to pass along condolences to the family of Fred Dean. Uh, Hall of Famer starred for the Chargers and the Niners in the 70s, the 80s. He passed away last night at the age of 68. Some of you may have up to that news. So I prepare uh, to face the 49ers. Wanted to make sure we mentioned that. All right. After missing uh, a couple of weeks with a high ankle sprain, Jimmy G tried to return last week. It did not go well. He was benched at halftime as the Niners tried to play catch up. It makes me wonder which Garoppolo
1: will we see on Sunday in primetime? Anyone have thoughts? Uh, I, I would be ready for CJ Beathard in this game as well. Um, and if Aaron Donald uh, – you know, gets in Jimmy's face early and forces a bad throw or two, I I would have to think that Kyle has a quick hook for him yet again. You know, the interesting thing I know for us on the network is, yes, clearly Kyle wasn't the same and he wasn't seven. I'm sorry, Jimmy wasn't the same. And uh, he was getting nothing, nothing on those passes. But, you know, this opens up the conversation again as to Shanahan's faith in the guy. He's clearly the number one, but he clearly was not right last week.
2: Yeah, I think again, when you talk about the injuries that the Niners have faced from the receiver position, the quarterback position, they really didn't have, they haven't had that uh, time to kind of gel, right? And it seemed like they were just, Jimmy was off on some throws, throwing the ball high. Uh, it could have been the angle, but a lot of it is the timing as well with the new receivers that have been hurt. If it's, uh, you know, Debo Samuel with the foot injury or Ayuk with the hamstring, and they were playing guys off the street for a while. Tavon Austin signed. And got some money out of there because they were down so bad. So even White was in uniform last week for Pete. Yeah, so. that's what that's what I'm saying. So you're you're dealing with a lot of injuries. That's gonna that could play a part of it. But also Jimmy G just being hurt, right? He may be a guy that can't play through injury, that he needs to be, you know, close to 100 percent as possible. I I think um they're definitely, you know, talking with some people in the Bay Area and uh some reporters up there that they're concerned. You know, this game is a concerning game, but you know it's like I said, it's it's this rivalry, uh, being a part of the last couple years has shown me that it doesn't matter if the you know, if it's the Chip Kelly 49ers who have two victories and they're both versus the Rams and they're happy about that, or if it's the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan going back and forth, you have to put your best foot forward because they still have George Kittle, they still have uh, Raheem Mostert, they still have guys offensively that can go and then defensively, yes, they're banged up all through the secondary, and the secondary is giving up all these points they still have guys that can rush the passer and Fred Warner and company still there flying around we saw what he did last year late in the season to kind of you know end the Rams dreams of going to the playoffs
3: if I'm a quarterback on the 49ers I'm worried Aaron Donald has 11 and a half sacks against the Niners Um, whether you're CJ or you're Jimmy um, their two wins this season have been against the Jets and the Giants as a New Yorker I don't want to brag about it but that, you know, there's nothing really great there in those two wins. So, you know, we know covering the Rams, what an important uh, importance it is to have a healthy offensive line. And to your guys's point, if Jimmy G or CJ Beathard is not protected back there, you're going to get Aaron Donald in your face come yeah. Sunday.
1: And, that, and that's kind of what I was getting at. They're 29th in sacks allowed here. So the offensive and the defensive line, that, that's why this team is not the same team. Kyle Shanahan over the years has been able to replace skilled players. Sorry, MJD, because his faith in the system and it's going to work. And, hey, call my, I run my damn play, it's going to work. But this team on the line is not the same, offensive or defensive. I mean, now Ziggy Ansah's out now on the defensive side. I mean, he signed a guy off the street, and now he's out for the year. Um, this is not the 49ers team from last year. I may
0: be slow to catch up to you guys on this one, but to me, they still are the 2019 49ers, if in name and uniform and logo only. I I just think Shanahan is world-class. Their run game is their strength. If time and score will let them play to it, stopping the run has not been the Rams' best attribute on defense. Um, But, you know, I've just heard so much this week about the Rams' defensive improvements with the caveat, yeah, but. Yeah, but you were playing Danny Dimes and the Giants. Yeah, but you were playing a Washington team in the rain. Like, those are two of the worst offenses in the league. Um, To me, Shanahan and this 49ers group, despite the Garoppolo health concerns, is always going to pose a threat. And it's also intriguing to me because I think this specifically is the matchup Brandon Staley was hired to address, that he, you know, created this role for Jalen Ramsey to uniquely match up with George Kittle and the threats that they present. Even that Leonard Floyd and Terrell Lewis were brought in as the bookends to combat to make sure you funnel in that outside zone um, with some big, strong length on the edge. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if it comes to fruition. And even if the Niners are not right, I think a, a dominant defensive performance would I think secure in the minds of, of the NFL um, people that that the Rams are for real on defense this yeah. year.
1: It's a it's a great point, JB. There's a reason these two coaches who know each other so well have split six. They're three and three against each other. And I, I still go back to week sixteen from last year. And I, I replayed that Saturday night game in my head a hundred times. They get off the field on either of those two long third downs, the Rams that is, they're in the playoffs right and and don't tell me that that game hasn't uh stuck in the back of Sean McVay's mind for a very long quarantined offseason as well
3: um all right we got to move on to the offense because running back Cam Akers he returned to the lineup last week led the Rams in rushing only nine carries but he finished with 61 yards uh most of them coming off of that pretty 46 yard run in the fourth quarter so Coach McVay has what he calls champagne problems, right? This is the first time you're really getting all three healthy backs because if you look back throughout the five games we played, Daryl Henderson had that hamstring injury, then Cam Akers was out. Malcolm Brown had that pinky uh, fracture. So your last last game that they played, it was when you threw in Cam Akers later in the game just to see how he was doing, how's that rib injury, which sounds so painful, and yet – hey, they're all looking healthy. So this is kind of the first time you're seeing all three backs. Um, MGD, I mentioned it's tough to start with you because do you see three backs working well? I mean, can that work? You, how did it work for you?
2: Yeah, it, it, it could, uh, Serena, it could definitely work. Um, the Rams run the ball enough for it to work and that's the most important thing. Uh, one of the top teams with rush attempts, which is important, I think that's kind of allowed them to carry three backs uh, Cam Akers may be the starter this week. He may not be. It may be Daryl Henderson, but the, the, each each of them have a role. So, you know, Cam Akers is very explosive. He runs hard. That run against the Washington football team shows that. Um, Daryl Henderson, explosive out of the backfield. His runs against the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he's shown his explosive. And then Malcolm Brown is the guy that he's your emergency package. Third and five, third and six, I need you to step up and block. Uh, fourth and one, short yardage, goal line, we're going to put you in those situations. Um, and, and when you have three guys like that, um, normally you go with the hot hand. And so we've talked about this on our broadcast, JB, a ton. Week one, Malcolm Brown was a hot hand. So he got 19 carries and he was running the ball, scored twice. Like that's what you're looking for. Week two, it was Daryl Henderson. Big runs, was able to make some plays. Hot hand, right? You you put him out there. And so you want to continue to go with the hot hand and it, it forces – all three guys to be on their game at all time because you just never know what may happen. I think that is yes, champagne problems, but also it's best for this football team because at the end of the day, you have a fresh body out there running the ball against a tired defense over and over and over again. MJJ, curious. Yeah. You know,
1: I like the fact that acres was on the field there in the fourth quarter to help close out the game. I think that speaks well to his future and what they think of him. but do you think this works better here that maybe, it works better with the egos that none of them has been a number one in the NFL. They were all number ones in college. Right? right. But that none of them has had that taste of being the lead guy in, in, in the NFL. So there isn't necessarily an ego issue now with this group.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's not necessarily an ego issue It's more of there. There's been communication has been clearly communicated that this is a running back room, right? It's not Todd Gurley and others. And so When you communicate that and you coach that and you practice like that um, where guys are all getting reps with the first team, guys are all getting reps with the second team, uh, it kind of builds that room up. Now, when you talk about, you know, like Todd Gurley, for example, Todd was only getting first team reps. You weren't going to put Todd with the number twos. That just wasn't going to happen. And so that, yes, the ego or not, but I just think that it's been clearly communicated And that's the most important thing. When you communicate with players and you tell them what's going to happen, then it happens. They they begin to trust more and they begin to play harder.
0: Can I just say something on behalf of Daryl Henderson? I'm coming off a two-touchdown game. I've done everything right. I'm not just the best back on this team. I'm the best back in the National Football League. Pro Football Focus says I'm the number one running back in all of football. What are we talking about here? Don't take my carries away. I'm coming off a two-touchdown game. Give me more. I am the hot hand. Let's go.
1: I, I could see that argument too, he, and he ran with good power too. Um, I mean, he he is he is killing guys in the hole. Uh, it's it's a different guy than the guy we saw a year ago. He's running confidently. Um, I love the fact that they, you know, he had he he caught that pass for a touchdown. wasn't the smoothest catch, but JB, look, he, that's what I think is great. And, and JD, to your point, you can make a case for any of these three being the lead guy, right? If you take a little performance here, performance here, you can make that argument. But yeah, Daryl's probably been the most consistent in each of those games.
0: All right, time to reach into our fan mail bag, and this week a question about the uh, tight end production of Tyler Higby. Basically, where has he been since his three touchdown game at Philadelphia?
2: Do you want me to take this one? <laughs> he <laughs> you
3: clearly wants to. <laughs> I, I
2: I I would say I would say that. It's it's and flow with him and Gerald Everett, like one week or two weeks. One guy is going to have to be the blocker and the other one's going to get the ball. Uh, after that, it may flip. And so I think Gerald Everett, the first couple of weeks was the blocker. He was the one sacrificing his body on uh, against the Eagles. He was the one making sure that Jared Goff had enough time to throw the ball to Higby. And now the last couple of weeks, it's been OK, it's time to feed Gerald Everett a little bit, get him going. Um, and, you know, they both can do very similar things in the passing game but they have to take time. And I think eventually, you know, it's hard when you have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, those three backs, and now you have two tight ends to try to get the ball to as well. It's only one ball that can go around. So somebody's going to have to take it off, and it seems like it's been Higby the last couple weeks.
0: Especially when you're leading the NFC in rushing attempts. Yeah. Right? Like, there aren't enough snaps in a month, much less a game, for all these guys to eat.
1: You, You also get a good feel, I think, from the opening drive. Like, Gerald Everett was was had, had two plays dialed up for him on that opening drive last week against Washington. You're like, all right, it's going to be his game, right? Um, and uh, I cut him last week in fantasy is what I feel like. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Just
3: you know, a little nod on. for himself. Yep.
1: But but to, to Maurice's point
0: about pass pro, though, like, I know that no one's going to give New York and Washington a lot of respect especially right now, but there was, those defensive fronts were real. Like the NFC East is not down because of the defensive fronts in Philly, Dallas, New York, or Washington. And you go back and look at two of the key plays of that win over Washington, the Robert Woods 56 yard touchdown. Where's Tyler Higby on that play? He and Cooper cup are doubling Ryan Kerrigan on the front side to make sure Goff has time to get it off on the big Gerald Everett catch and run. Again, he's in there on pass pro. So I, I agree with the point Maurice made like, Someone's got to extend that line a little bit, especially against the edge rush of Washington. And, and Tyler took on that role, even though it's
1: not his best attribute, and he is a dynamic pass catcher. And, too. and while, while we're on that, it, go back and watch the TV copy. I, I know you guys did. And there was a, a play, I rewound it four or five times, where it was Robert Woods lined up on the right side of the formation tight, and he actually came in motion towards the line and helped chip on Ryan Kerrigan. And if you turn the sound up, you just hear Robert like, bah! and he comes in and just cracks Ryan Kerrigan. And I can't remember the result of the play. It was a positive play, but um, you don't see that from many wide receivers. And, and those are the little, little, little things that, that so often get overlooked when we live in this fantasy stat world.
3: All right, we're going champagne problems from running backs to tight ends, and now we're doing our rapid fire because we've got more champagne problems. we got an O-line that's looking like it's 2018 form, rapid fire. Is this O-line back to what we saw? I mean, to me, the 2018 theme of that O-line was consistency, right? And we see that theme kind of coming together if David Edwards can settle in in this group.
2: Yeah, I, I think – you know, in order to get the consistency this year in 2020, you had to go through the trial and tribulations of 2019. A lot of rookies playing, a lot of guys playing out of position. Um, and I think those problems became the the good things that you have now. And so uh, even when Joseph Noboom goes down, David Evers is able to step in and it's like you don't miss a beat. And then to some people, JB, we've talked about this, the line may be better with him in right now because of his, his strength and his ability – to be stronger against the bull rush. And so, um, you know, the offensive line, and this goes, and Andrew, you said, like, don't be ashamed. Like, listen, I know that you have to have a great offensive line in order to run the ball and throw the ball in this league. A lot of other teams don't know, and I'm not going to mention those names. But Sean McVay and and Coach Cromer did a great job of just saying, you know what, we're going to invest in these dudes. We put the work in last year, and we believe in this, this offensive line, and they're proving them right.
1: Yeah. I think Austin Corbett's provided stability there as well. Um, And everything you said about the injuries last year, getting David Edwards time and getting all these other, I I think the depth is better too. I mean, you got to put Bobby Evans in there. His experience last year um, will be invaluable if you got to put him back in there. The offensive line has been great. There's a reason they're fourth on offensive efficiency right now. It's because that offensive line is playing as well as it has. And, And I'm not uh, um, calling out Andrew Whitworth, quite the contrary, but Jared's pick to Kendall Fuller was the direct result of of a rare pressure allowed there. I don't know if it went down on the stat sheet by Whitworth because he had a guy uh, push back into Jared. Uh, Jared's operating better with a clean pocket. All quarterbacks do this just in. Like I'm so sick of this narrative. Well, Jared Goff can't do well against pressure. Show me a quarterback that does with the kind of consistent pressure that he got last year where there was always someone at his feet and he had to be backing up. Uh, clean pocket, clean stat sheet, uh, and, yeah, it all goes back to the offensive line.
0: Our next rapid-fire question, is this Niners roster still a contender? I'm going to reframe it this way. If the Rams can hand them a third consecutive loss with this seven-game gauntlet the San Francisco 49ers are entering, can the Rams knock them out of the postseason in October?
2: Yes. Yeah. They have a tough schedule coming forward, and you're talking about injuries piling up. I want to say they got to play the Packers again, right? They have the Packers.
3: Packers game, Seahawks, Patriots, and that uh, Patriots-Seahawks game was close. So that could have just been the other way, too.
2: Right. So you you you, you have uh, – they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth. I think –
1: I think it is getting late very early. And I know that after the game in New York with all the injuries and the complaints about the turf, you looked at it and go, well, they have Garoppolo. I'm sorry. You know, Kyle is one uh, with Nick Mullins and maybe just get through the schedule and then you get back healthy. But then the injuries kept piling up. Right. And I think the injuries to the defensive line are the ones that people keep overlooking here. Uh, I don't think this is a playoff roster as currently constructed. I, I just don't. I don't think it's going to be a 2-14 and 14 here at all. But I, I think this team is in serious trouble. Um, despite, JB, your very valid point about, um, you know, the Rams and, and Niners and shared history and what this game means in the Rams.
3: He's showing respect. He's showing no, respect. No,
1: he's right. You're, you're absolutely right. Because they are true. still the NFC champions until further noted, until otherwise noted. And they have a heck of a coaching staff and there's a lot of talent on this team and it's at home. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that does matter. Despite the fact that uh, it's going to be an empty stadium and that home field advantage seemingly is gone this year. Statistically, it, it, it absolutely matters. And they haven't won there this year. Like that's to me,
0: it, this is more of like a human nature game. Like mm-hmm. if the Niners have any juice left to be Owen three at home, to be in danger of losing three in a row, like some friends of ours, Andrew, call this the cornered animal game, right? Like you are going to get their very
1: best last shot. Well, you got to go to New England and Seattle next. I mean, who who put those games on a schedule back to back? That's what happens when
0: you win the NFC. You get that number one schedule.
1: Yeah, it it, it is it is just brutal. And it, JB, Bay Area guy, looking at the look on Kyle's face last week, even under the mask, I mean, you could just see him seething and the frustration like this is what it's come to ryan fitzpatrick is i mean they're on their fake punting and ryan fitzpatrick's throwing deep every play and i've got a bench garoppolo like it just seemed rock bottom for them last week Uh oh it's
3: a nice beard though all right we're going to close it out with (laughs) fantasy picks before we get to everyone's pick for week six let's recap uh our picks from last weekend um jb you had tyler higby do we
0: have to do we have? Yeah,
3: to? it's it's just written in the notes here. I'm just <laughs> twelve oh, yards.
0: Right. He may Sabrina, not got the stats. It says Harrison.
3: here. Sorry, I'll just pat myself on the back here for that one. Uh, Maurice he had Robert Woods four receptions, 71 yards, one touchdown. There you go. Um, I gave I think what did I give Demarco the defense? I gave it to him like I did him a favor. But um, all right, Andrew, I'll start with you. Who's your fantasy pick this weekend?
1: My fantasy pick, see, like I already told you, I cut Gerald Everett from my team, and I feel silly about that. So, like, I I would do the, the classic go sign him again and then put him in the lineup, and now he's going to do nothing. So I'm not going to. I'm going to say, I wouldn't say play him, but I have a gut feeling that Van Jefferson, who has not been on the field nearly as much as maybe we had thought, is going to do something this week. This is just a gut feeling, not a fantasy week winner for you, but I have a good Van Jefferson feeling this
2: week. Uh, listen, week in and week out, I feel like I've been one of the top producers for the Rams fantasy. So when I go back and I, at, and, back and I look at – And if you don't believe
1: him, just ask him.
2: No, you gotta have to. But I'm going to say Cooper Cup. I feel like Cooper Cup, now when you get into divisional play, he has dominated this division. Um, and I, I, I want to say he's – I don't know how exactly how many touchdowns he has against the Niners, but in this division he scores – every time they play. So I think uh, his ability with the banged up secondary, you got to go Cooper cup
0: Serena, put your coffee down. Anyone who's listening make sure you do not have a hot beverage anywhere near you. I'm about to knock you out of your chairs, go for it. Samuel Sloman is my kicker to play this week in fantasy football. It is going to be his first perfect week for the Los Angeles Rams. I do not think this game will hopefully come down to a game winning field goal attempt, but if it does, he will give some of what uh, Robbie gold gave the Rams uh, back here in 2020.
1: Speak it into existence, my friend. Yes, sir.
3: Put it out there. Um, I'm actually going to tag team with uh, Maurice here. I think Jared Goff has um, a big game for himself. He has the most touchdown passes against the other team partly because of Cooper Cup, I'm sure, partly because of Robert Woods, I'm sure. I was actually on the fringe of picking Tyler Higby, but I'm going to stick with Jared. I think he looks good, and I think he'll have – he was excited to play in his first divisional game this season after five games, so they also have a dinged-up secondary on the Niners. They have a concussion, a groin injury, so I'm putting my money on J.G. here.
1: I think that, that that's a good one. That's a safe Happy night. birthday, Jared, by the way.
3: Happy
2: birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Birthday.
3: Um, All right, that's a wrap for our week six edition of Between the Horns. Maurice Jones-Drew, J.B. Long, Andrew Siciliano. Thank you very much. I'm Serena Morales. Rams 49ers, Sunday night football. Drink your coffee all day long because on the West Coast, we can watch football when it's still daylight out. 520 Pacific on NBC. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week for another episode of
2: Between the Horns.